Welcome back to another episode of Making a Martini. I am your host, Caleb Figgles. This is the fourth and final episode in the series of the relationships between the gay man and the fill-in-the-blank. So this episode is the gay man and the lesbian, and I talk with my friend Hannah from college, who is a lesbian. So, uh, And we were also stage combat partners. <laughs> no big deal. But we um, we talk about the intricacies between the gay man and um, the lesbian and how life is just sort of in the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, and we also talk about the discrepancies with what history says about the relationship between gay men and lesbians. I mean, there's like this um, rumor, stigma, uh, rumor, I guess for lack of a better term, that gay men and lesbians don't get along. But like, <laughs> I don't know. But we will talk about that. Um, so the theme cocktail of this episode is the Lavender Menace. It is one and a half ounces of raspberry vodka, one ounce of cranberry juice, and half an ounce of blue curacao. All right, this is Hannah and myself on The Gay Man and the Lesbian. Let's do it. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say, hey, Hannah, Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. I'm glad to see your face. You look so beautiful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's been a really long time. I know. You look beautiful too. <laughs> Fuck. Thank you. <laughs> I can't hear that enough. Um, no. Yeah. I think it's been years, at least three, mm-hmm. at least three. I think probably more than that. I don't know. More. Yeah. Who knows? Who the fuck knows? Okay. But, um, but no, I'm really glad that you decided to do this episode with me. Um, Hannah, for any listeners at home, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, sure. what you do, where you are. Um, I'm Hannah Simon. I am originally from Western Pennsylvania. Caleb and I met at IUP uh, when we were Woo. in the theater department. Um, after I graduated from IUP, I moved to New York City for grad school and got my master's in Uh, art history and archaeology from NYU and now I live in Brooklyn and I work for classical architecture nonprofit and you know I'm living the life yeah fuck yeah you are (laughs) (laughs) right when did you so when did you move to New York what year 2016 Oh, okay, 2016. Okay, all right. So you did have, you had some time there. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why, but in my mind, you just moved there and then had to like stay in your house. Yeah, <laughs> that it, sucks. When you said 2017 might have been the last time I saw you. Like, yeah. Where did go? I couldn't even tell you how long ago that actually was because everything's been a blur. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So today we are here to talk about the relationships between gay men and lesbians. This is the final episode of the four part series on the relationship of the gay man and the fill in the blank. Um, Just a reminder to everyone, because I feel like if I don't say it in one episode, someone's going to come after me. But I know there are more than just four sexualities in the world. I fully am aware of that. For the purposes of the podcast, we're just doing four because doing that many I think people would stop listening. (laughs) So there's more to come down the road. These are just going to be the four in one group. So don't cancel me. 
I've been so. I'm glad to be the bean that you're interviewing. Thank God. I couldn't think of anyone else. I am. I'm the only one. I would like to disclose too that anything I say, I'm definitely not a representative of the entire like lesbian community. Um, but I do have my individual experiences that I'll be sharing. Yes. And that's what we're going to talk about. Right. Um, so let's just sort of start off um, and we'll sort of look at it from my end, I guess, a little bit. That might have been the wrong way to phrase it, but I don't give a shit. Um, but what was your sort of first introduction that you can remember um, to a gay man? Uh, there was someone I went to high school with that later came out as gay, but that would be the first person I uh, really was around before he came out. Um, yeah. That would probably have been the first person. Uh, but really my first experience uh, meeting and interacting with openly gay men was in college. Um, when I Was it me? Department. It was probably you, honestly. <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> <can> probably. <laughs> probably in the green room. <laughs> Just walking in going, hey, bitches. I don't know. When you came, I don't <laughs> even think I was fire. out yet. <laughs> I remember actually probably the first time I really walked in, into a uh, theater space at IUP, I had a little pride bracelet on. I wasn't out in high school, but I did decide to be out fully no reservations when I went to college Yeah, and I walked into the green room and Joe York goes, are you a lesbian? And I went, uh, yeah. And he went, we got one. Oh my God. <laughs> all the other departments get all the lesbians. The theater department doesn't get any lesbians. Like he was so pumped. And I was like, well, okay, glad I'm well, so well. All right. <laughs> Enter Hannah. And her oh Hannah, gosh. so that pretty much defines my entire experience in college. Hey, that's great. <laughs> you know, it, it's like that. I I think. Oh, well, I don't know where I was going with that, but <laughs> who the fuck knows? But um, but yeah, I, I now you as as a lesbian, um, what are the stereotypes? that you can put out there for us, maybe some that you agree with that you don't agree with. I don't think anyone agrees 100% with stereotypes because that's sort of the point of a stereotype. Um, But there are some about gay men that I'm like, Ooh, that's me. Yeah. There are some about lesbians too, where you're like, yeah, (laughs) I was, I was was camping last weekend and uh, I was the only person using an ax the whole time. And I was like, okay, (laughs) here we are. (laughs) But Um, there are definitely some that, you know, they're stereotypes for a reason, like you said, um, but some of them are more harmful than others. I think that probably the most harmful one is that in any lesbian or woman loving woman relationship, you know, one of them is the man, one of them is the woman. Um, there has to be that delineation and one of them has to be masculine and do like the man things. And one of them has the womanly things and um that is i mean there are people who are happy to do that yeah i'm sure like any relationship it's a give and take you all have certain responsibilities that you might perform better than others and but uh, i think that one's that one's super harmful because it kind of i think trivializes um the fact that it's two 
women and like relationships only valid if there's a man in it or something. So right or a male male figure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There has to be that. Uh, there's definitely, you know, the lesbian fashion code, I guess. Um, someone is wearing a beanie and a flannel or like Doc Martens or something. Yeah. Pin yeah. That, That's not true. <laughs> if right. you come to New York, I mean, I live in Brooklyn. Everybody wears everybody. flannel and Doc. <laughs> so <laughs> um, everybody in Brooklyn's a lesbian, actually. Oh, finally. Um, my, every person. My new Mecca. <laughs> God. Um, uh. And I think probably the last one that is really a pretty prominent one is like the U-Haul lesbian relationship where you meet someone and you move in together after like six months of dating. Yeah. Um, which, you know, you probably should not always not, do that. Sometimes yeah. it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, but, but I'll tell you what, gay men and straight people do that shit too. And Yeah, that is, <laughs> that's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... Those are probably the biggest ones. Three. And it's, yeah. <clears throat> it, it, especially the first one that you brought up, it's it, being the, I've asked both of those questions every single time um, <clears throat> in, in every episode, just because they're relevant. Um, not the lesbian part. I usually sub out that word, <laughs> just in case you thought I was asking every single person about lesbians. Um, but the answer, I should, I, honestly, I fucking should have been. <laughs> such a terrible person um but the, but the answer has always been the same it, it's like this it usually ends up coming around to this i i need that society has to label someone mm-hmm. purely based on who they sleep with so like because i sleep yeah. with men therefore i'm going to be flamboyant i am going to love music theater i am going to be obsessed with lady gaga like that's like you, you know those things yeah i might be all of those things but not every gay man is those things (laughs) right right yeah no definitely like there you can't like pigeonhole any one person just like you don't really pigeonhole any like straight people or straight passing people Um, right it's it's harmful to group even if like some of it holds up it's not right like you said we do we do not represent the entire gay community and the entire lesbian community. I happen to be an individual motherfuckers. <laughs> I so. wouldn't want to represent the whole community. Either. No, I wouldn't want to either. <laughs> <laughs> um, society would really be burning if, <laughs> if you were the, the spokesperson. <laughs> Everyone has to drink a martini at 12, three and 5 PM <laughs> and then finish your day. <laughs> Um, so, uh, the, to bring it back to sort of like the relationship aspect, um, the, the gay people that you have in your life now, what are those relationships like? Cause it is a very, I mean, even from the time that we went to college together, climate's very different. Norms are very different and I love it. And that's what I'm here for. Um, but what are your sort of relationships like now with, and just in general, you don't have to give me <laughs> names and specific. <laughs> yeah, um, please. Yeah, please do. Um, <laughs> there, honestly, any relationship I have in my life right now is very healthy. Um, I mean, you work. You work to cultivate healthier relationships, and as you get older, of course, you you weed out the bad ones. Yeah. you should maybe. Yeah. Um, but any relationship that I have with a person. 
um, whether they're, you know, they're straight or they're in the LGBT community, uh, is really healthy. Um, that's not to say that like every person I meet in that community is like my friend and I want to cultivate a friendship right. with them. Um, but it is really nice to have, uh, gay friends in my life, uh, so that we can have, you know, conversations like the ones, the one you and I are having right now, or we can bring up really important issues, especially, especially in New York, like intersectionality right. is a big issue. Um, as you know, a lot of the black lives matter, uh, protests were, you know, uh, centered in New York and they actually started on my birthday last year. So it's definitely been Jesus. like kind of at the forefront and yeah. my kind of social, <clears throat> um, performance, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but of course that overlaps often overlaps, um, with the LGBT community, uh, and brings up a lot of intersectionality issues, minority issues, um, poverty issues, class issues, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think a lot of the relationships I have in my life, you know, either have something like that at the core, um, but definitely are, open to the point where like I can have really healthy conversations and discussions about, about these issues yeah. um, as a New Yorker, as a lesbian, as a friend um, right. of other gay people or people of color in the city. Fuck yeah. I love that. Ooh. Goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about sort of the, the history behind the gay man lesbian relationship because it definitely has some peaks and valleys for sure i feel like there's this um i wrote the word down but now i don't remember what it is hold on oh misconception that gay men and lesbians don't get along Mm -hmm. and then i've heard that a few times um i saw a few articles about it when i was looking up specifically for this episode and I was very like curious as to where that came from. And I can, like I said, we can only speak for ourselves. I've never had, I mean, some of my, to be honest, like any relationship I have in the LGBTQ community, I, exactly what you said, I've weeded out the people that I don't want. And I have the people that I want close to me. Um, speaking of any Pittsburgh lesbians, I need, I don't know where you are. <laughs> it makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe they'll tear up on me and, and stick me on the point and maybe they'll come, they'll come out. Yeah. <laughs> <Keep Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Um, but, but I've never like had, had, a, 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 you know, a relationship where I've like resented um, or looked down upon a, a person because they were a lesbian. Now, if I know a lesbian and she's an asshole, I'm not going to like her because yeah. she's an I asshole. Know plenty of people, I know plenty of assholes who are also gay. Right. I've yeah. them out. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, they're, they're like not mutually exclusive things. Yeah. And that's why I was so like confused when I was seeing, like I found that one article, which I didn't agree with when I was doing the research for it, but I've also had, I'd heard it like in passing with a few people you know, especially like the, well, I like to call them the woke social justice warriors. Um, that's just what I like to call them. Um, but so I, I started looking back to like find like where things might've like gone wrong. Cause like I knew during 
Stonewall and the AIDS crisis, like the entire community banded together. Like there wasn't this like separation or this divide or anything along those lines. And the only thing that I could really find where there was a a bit of animosity was in the seventies where gay men were out there like fighting for rights with other gay men and not so much including, like there wasn't any sort of lesbian representation, like, and it almost seemed like gay issues quote unquote gay issues, which were like right to marry, right to not be fired based on sexual orientation, like rights that would have been like an umbrella for everyone in the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, It it was getting more recognition from like the, the gay community. And from like cisgender male aspect of the community. Right. And, but then I also look at the other side at this exact same time. This is also when, the women's liberation movement, the ERA, radical fe- feminism is on the rise. And it's sort of I, the way I kind of took it and how I'm interpreting it, because I couldn't find anything factual to be like, yep, that's what was going on. Because, mm-hmm. And we'll talk about this, but um, the information's not really out there, y'all. So, yeah, I think definitely there's there's a gap in the history or um, a gap in the narrative. Um, whether it's been purposefully left out or not is, I have no, I mean, who's to say, right. but um, I do, you know, I do think that um, some rights come to the forefront. Some voices can be heard louder than others. Um, some issues tend to take precedent and, you know, sometimes you have to pick and choose your battles. Like some of them, some of them might get more attention and be more successful than others. And maybe, you know, um, for whatever reason there, there wasn't room for women or maybe there wasn't a a leadership role for a woman and, or a, or a lesbian in, in those situations. And so it kind of didn't take off for them. Yeah. Um, but like, to my knowledge prior to the seventies, I think it was, there was a stronger connection. Um, yeah. I mean, I think gay men and lesbians or, you know, um, LGBT people have been beards for each other for mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. <laughs> forever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was reading up about some of the, of the history surrounding the Stonewall riots mm-hmm. um, where, which of course people like to, sometimes leave out the roles that lesbians played in that, um, right. especially um, the black lesbian yeah, who really was the one who said, why don't you guys do something when the police were brutalizing her? Yeah. Uh, don't forget. Um, right. <laughs> but I was reading about a place called the house of detention, which was a, a jail a few blocks from the Stonewall Inn mm-hmm. in New York. Um, it was a, uh, a jail for women, um, deplorable conditions, but a lot of women were detained there, uh, based on their sexuality or for not wearing gender conforming clothing or not participating in society in the way that they felt women should have been participating. Right. Um, and this place actually played a pretty significant role in the Stonewall riots, despite the fact that these women were, uh, incarcerated at the time, um, right. there were of them voicing their support, literally voicing it, <laughs> shouting down onto the streets um, yeah. to the rioters and supporting them, uh, lighting toilet paper on fire and tossing it out their windows um, 
as a as a physical show of support as well mm-hmm. um and just the general support that uh riders received from you know the women in this yeah. detention facility many of whom were women loving women or right. um, you know androgynous or gender non-conforming um, mm-hmm. i think that was a, that was something really important and you know, to forget about that or to not be taught that is, yeah. is too bad. You know, it's like, that's another gap. Um, right. We, I think we forget a lot about the allies or the supportive parties in the Stonewall riots. I agree. That's such a fucking visual too, just to see like fire raining down from this like yeah. place of like pure hate. Like that's all that really yeah. is. It's a place of hate. They, you, you knew what it was like, you knew who was in there. You knew oh, why they were in knew, there. Like, there was always loud, you know, just so much loud shit going on at this place. Right. You know, shouting down to their partners on the street, the partners shouting back up, people checking on each other um, all hours of the night. Yeah. Uh, so it was kind of, a, you know, a bit of a disturbed place to begin yeah. with. Yeah. But maybe it was a good thing that it existed already as this disturbed place for the riots. So, just, I mean, it's fuel to the fire that, Stonewall, you know, sort of. Yeah, the fire that kept it going, or at least right encouraged people um, to to riot for their rights. So right, right. So after that, obviously, we go into the beginning of the AIDS epidemic, which is where I think another just big show of of solidarity, because at the forefront of it. Um, you know, cases were pretty much gay men being affected um, and with, you know, no support from the government, no support from the straight community because they were like, nope, gay disease, gotta go. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it, during this time, I mean, I don't know what would have happened had lesbians not been a part of the community during this time, like how many more people would have died, would have killed themselves if they hadn't had any sort of allyship there in that aspect, because it was huge. Like the trans community and the lesbian community stepped the fuck up and like took care of people, went to the streets to fight, worked at, you know, the thing that I thought was really cool that I found, hold on. Oh, the, the blood mobiles. So um, the women's caucus of the San Diego democratic club, um, which is primarily lesbians, um, created a these mobile blood drives in San Diego, and they called themselves the Blood Sisters, which I fucking love. Um, and their their job was simply just to make sure that there was enough blood to meet the demand for their friends, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the really cool things that I like that I've never really heard of is that they um, created a connection with a private blood bank company where it was the first time that a donor could go in and they could choose who their blood went to. So like, if you were someone in need, like you could go with a friend essentially, if you were able to, and that friend could then say, I want this blood to go to him or her. I want this blood to go to this person in this house. Like it was, which I thought was really interesting. I'm not sure how the mechanics of it worked. (laughs) I'm sure someone figured it out. Um, but the whole thing about it was to prove that like blood is thicker than water type stuff. Um, and just really sort of making sure that 
you know, these men that were dying felt loved because not only like, or do they have a disease where they're like locked in a hospital wing by themselves away from the world, but like some of these men like hadn't even come out yet. So like the fact that they then had to be like, I have AIDS or the family was like, get the fuck out of here. So like, that is just one of like the most in such a dark time, that relationship I think is like a, like, it's such an important one because I think literally giving your lifeblood Right. To someone, whether they're your friend or maybe a total stranger, uh, to show your support for them. I think even even in even if the situation is so bleak like that, to actually right. physically give something to their person is really incredible. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Um, but once once I sort of started going through that, because after that, I mean, obviously the the fight, the AIDS fight, it's I mean, it's ongoing today, but it's much there's a lot more understanding now about what it is, how it works and all that mm-hmm. type of stuff, even though sometimes you find people that it's not. Um, but one of the things that I was curious about and I don't have an answer for myself, I haven't quite figured out what it is. Um, this actually kind of ties into that that article that that douchebag wrote, which we'll get to in a second. Actually, I'll just t- go to the article now because it'll <laughs> elaborate my point. Did you have anything that you wanted to talk about with like the AIDS crisis or anything? Uh, no, not okay. I just kind of railroaded that. Sorry, this there, drink's I mean, a little there's strong. There's so much to unpack there, but <laughs> yeah, that needs its own a whole episode on that. A whole episode, yeah. So <clears throat> I found this article. Oh, scooter, stop it. Um, and it's called Why Don't Gays and Lesbians Get Along Better by Michael Musto. I think that's how you say his name. And it's just an article on out.com. And there's one quote in it that just really, really chapped my ass. Really grinded my gears. <laughs> really grinded my gears. Um, but it says, quote, gay guys, just like straight guys, are obviously too driven by their genitals. And conversely, the presence of men could remind lesbians of the patriarchal society that's been rammed down their throats and made them numb. True, those are gross generalizations, but they're the kind that gay men like me make and lesbians hate them and stay away. In the beginning part of this article, he was talking about how because we haven't had another crazy thing like the AIDS crisis. Granted, this article was, oh, I didn't write down when it was written. It was recently, though. I think it was like 2019. But he was like, there hasn't been a big showing of gay and lesbian support for each other in since like the AIDS epidemic. Like it, it, he, his point was it makes like, it's almost like the LGBTQIA plus community needs a disaster to happen in order for them to band together. And I don't... He doesn't really, that's really, it's kind of strange. Like, sorry, you can totally. No, 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 no. I don't know what I'm, what I'm trying to say. Right. It's like he's trying to bring up problems, but not necessarily offer a solution, which is poor journalism, I think. Yeah. Um, I know. I think you're right. You're just bitching about a problem, but not doing anything. Yeah. Like, no, in fact, you're only actually propelling that problem forward by making gross generalizations that you say you make. Yeah. And just bringing it up for more people to be like. Right. I couldn't tell because like, I I know who this guy is and I've like seen him in TV shows as himself, like as a journalist or a writer, like a critic or something like that. And 
I, I, I would thought like maybe he's trying to make a joke and it just didn't land, but I'm like, mm, where's the joke? It, Cause what I couldn't determine was like, yes, I understand that like the entire, you know, community bands together when something bad happens and that's, that is how it should be. But what is your I'm example? Right. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm struggling to understand like where he's going with it. Yeah. Like where is it that we're, also, that we're at odds? Yeah. Where he makes these generaliz- generalizations as well of this over-sexualization of the gay community, which is really harmful, but I think yeah. people also forget how supportive like a very sexual community can be. Yes. Um, how, um, freeing it can be or just basic like you know you have like a network or your a found family through some yeah. of these sexual connections that you have in the right. community um and you know i think gay men are, are overly sexualized a lot to the point um where it is is harmful and, and it yeah. happens within the community as well it's not yeah. just like the the outsider you know the in, entirety right. of society looking in on the gay community it's a stereotype within the community itself. Yeah. Um, that's not good. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of stigma associated with that, which I think probably carries over a lot from the AIDS crisis. Um, yeah. Oh, for sure. But, yeah. But I don't think this, this guy, <sighs> I almost right. wish this article would have been put in out, out magazine, out magazine is like a satire because like, Right. Talking about, um, and I also feel that it is not necessarily true that a lesbian can walk into a male dominant environment and be like, "Oh my god, I'm just gonna have all these phalluses shoved into my my crevices," you know? Like it's right. not. It does not feel like that. Um, that's a gross generalization. That's not to say that sometimes things like that don't that you don't feel that way. I mean, I've but. You know, I walked into a room of like a conference where there it was predominantly men, and I I was uncomfortable just because like like anything else, where is my representation? Right. Um, I didn't feel like it was this sexually charged environment. I just very right very strongly felt like eyes were on me because I was the only woman there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I've also been in gay places where. I was the like the only woman or one of a few women who were present and mm-hmm. they were like, Oh my god, I love lesbians. Like it was really welcoming. Mm-hmm. Um, but you like I have gone to a, a club, this was during Pride a few years a few years ago that was predominantly a, a gay men's club. Sure. Um where they actually have a rule. Uh like the bouncer at the door, it's like a woman can only get in if there's six men with her or something. So, like they're trying to keep a very male heavy ratio um in this bar. <laughs> and uh the bouncer actually looked at me and said, I fucking hate straight girls. And I looked at him and I said, I am literally here with my girlfriend. It's Pride Weekend and I'm trying to come to an LGBT bar. Like yeah. you know? So that issue does perpetuate a lot Mm -hmm. um and it kind of sometimes i think is at odds with the idea of safe spaces yeah Um, because then it becomes you know only safe for some people right Um, why why is it that women are excluded or why is it that you're like 
why the hell would I be going into a, a bar just full of men on pride weekend? Like right. there would be nothing there for me as a straight woman. So like, right. If I were a straight woman, you know what I mean? Like what would be the appeal of that? I guess. Exactly. Um, so to be, to have it assumed that I was just there to be a quote unquote fag hag was really upsetting to me, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I like to hope that experiences like that are few and far between, but I know it's, it's here and there, you know, it's going to happen. Yeah. It, that's it the happens. thing. Like- there, there are places that are men only. There are places that are cisgender men only. Um, and then there are, you know, it's harder to find the women only spaces. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. I read um, in your research, there's only like 15 lesbian bars in the country. Yeah. And, you know, there's 15 gay bars just in Hell's Kitchen here. <laughs> Maybe like like men's gay right? clubs just in and, like one neighborhood. So um, when, when you put it into, uh, you know, like objective statistics mm-hmm. like that, um, I don't know. It's a little unsettling. Yeah. It's, it, it, I think it's just as a, as a step and an idea in the wrong direction because to, and it goes back to the same labeling thing that we talked about where it came to, you know, prejudice coming from the straight world based purely on who you sleep with. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, so like, well, I guess he thought that you were a straight woman, mm-hmm. um, but like the idea that as a lesbian, you can't get in unless you have six men with you. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's just such a bizarre, I don't know. I, I no, <laughs> that would take I some think, unpacking. That, um, this is an issue in society at large where if someone, you know, identifies as a minority, mm-hmm. um, they feel they're kind of like cleansed of other issues. Like, Oh, oh I'm shit. gay. So yeah. I can't be racist. I'm gay, so I can't be a misogynist. Right. But like, we also live in a society where we like to feel better than other people. And oh, so, yeah. I mean, then you do you do start to to segregate based on other minority issues mm-hmm. um, or preferences or whatnot. So you know, yeah, you're gay, but you don't want women in this space, or you're gay, but you still prefer right. white men or not train you know right under men and will refuse to date a trans man or something so right um you know you're not exempt from being <laughs> you're not exempt from being a dick just because you identify as lgbt <laughs> oh shit <laughs> and that's that on that yeah, that's the um that's the t sis yeah fuck that guy and his article um once again that was why don't gays and lesbians get along better by michael musto i'll tag it in the episode notes tell me what you think world because i can't quite figure out what he's trying to say nor do i think he knows what he was trying to say (sighs) dumb bitch (laughs) but (laughs) um but let's go let's talk about um because you brought it up there there are in the United States, as of right now, I think this research came from pre-COVID, so this number might be smaller. But potentially, there are only 15 like lesbian bars in the United States today. Mm. Maybe, maybe today, maybe a year ago. I don't know. Um, and it's mostly because either they have been shut down um, or they get lumped into LGBT-friendly bars on like Yelp or some shit. And 
I don't know about where you live. I know that here, LGBT friendly is gay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's the tall and short of it. Yeah. For Pittsburgh anyway. Like there really isn't a, a spot for. Now, I will say that like some places are a little bit more inclusive when it comes to, or I guess, I guess welcoming. Welcoming is more of a better way of phrasing that um, than others. But I mean, like LGBT friendly is such a broad term now, especially. And I feel like it mostly like, like I've never gone and seen like a scene anywhere where gay men were the minority. Yeah, I would agree with that apart from um, two bars that I know of in New York that are lesbian bars. Um, Mm -hmm. There's at least two. I'm not, I'm not sure the exact number. And I know one of them was really struggling uh, after COVID because like pride didn't happen here. So I I hope they made it. Um, I don't know. I've never been there because they always charge an outrageous cover charge for, <laughs> for pride. So I can't think I've ever actually been there. Um, but no, that does seem to, to happen. And I'm not sure, you know, again, it's hard to bring up an issue and then not offer a solution or an answer to it. I don't know why, why it is that, you know, LGBT yeah. spaces end up turning into gay men spaces. I don't know yeah. why if it um, has to do with, um, social life preferences of yeah. uh, the gay community versus the lesbian community. Um, if there's issues regarding like solidly identifying who's who in these communities, um, I think, you know, gender performance probably plays a pretty big role in that. Like yeah. you go to an LGBT bar and there are some indicators that say this is a gay man, um, whether it's dress or the way they talk or the way they um, perform their right. um, their identity. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why it's. And you know what? I think takeovers like that. Yeah, I think like the idea of like I don't. There's only one place in Pittsburgh that I think is completely male only, and it would just be the bathhouse. And I just don't recommend it to anyone. Like, I can't imagine. Like, I don't think I want to be in a fully 100% gays only. <laughs> bar because i don't think i would enjoy it um have you ever been to a lesbian bar like strictly lesbian only what's it like what do you do um the one uh in new york that i've been to is called cubby hole um it's really cute it's a very small little dive bar very intimate um it's um i really like it there um Mm -hmm. i haven't been there in a long time yeah, but, uh, you know, from what I what I knew, you know, it was really, it still had some mix to it. You know, mm-hmm. like there would be, um, you know, a woman would bring her friend or her um, a man friend of yeah. whatever their identity was. I've gone there with a straight guy before. Yeah, um, to go somewhere, you know, um, and some people go like some gay guys go because it's just you know part of the community, mm-hmm. um, but you know, even then it can be really strange. Like I had, um, a person flip out on me because I, 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 you know, people there found her to be attractive and she flipped out saying like she was straight and she was married and had a husband. And we were like, okay, but like you're at a lesbian you're bar. At a lesbian so, like, bar. Like, like you can't be mad at some, necessarily 
blow up on someone for right. assuming you're a lesbian right. when you're a woman at a lesbian bar kind of perform like looking like a stereotypical lesbian. So right. I don't I don't know. Um, but it's there wasn't anything a like very small place. You don't really you know true. there's not a lot of yeah. dancing. Uh it gets very, yeah. very packed in there because it's so small. Yeah. And when it's like, you know, one of the only lesbian bars around, like it can sure. be of course it's gonna yeah. be packed. Because that's where everyone's going to try to go. Yeah. Like my, in my head, because I've never been to a lesbian bar before or strictly lesbian bar before, I think of like the first wives club where they go to like the lesbian bar and like Leah Delari is there. And like, it's like this huge dance club. It's just like, but like, I'm, I'm like, well, how is that really any different than just because it was all women? I guess it's a safe space for lesbians to be without men. Maybe I don't know. I, like, I guess I don't. I don't know. I think it's it weird. Also, your purpose for going to a club. So that's true. It plays it. It does play back into that harmful over over sexualization stereotype where, you know, maybe you're there to find a hookup. Maybe you're there on a date. Maybe right. You're just there to revel in your gayness. You know, like yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. You know, I'm sure everyone has a different reason for going. Um, yeah, but. You know, certainly none of the spaces all look the same. Exactly. Um, and I'm sure anything you are going to see in media is not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so in in sort of response to there only being 15, 15, 15 lesbian bars in the U.S., um, there was this thing started called the Lesbian Bar Project. And it was a campaign created by Erica Rose and Elena. I'm going to guess that's how you say that name. Elena Street to um, who are both filmmakers in New York, actually. So, you know them? Yeah, obviously. Okay, great. No. Um, <laughs> but Wait, it was, how do you spell the first one's name? Erica, E-R-I-C-A. Oh, I'm sorry, Rose. the second one? Oh, Elena, E-L-I-N-A. Oh, okay. Um, Alina Street. That's a great fucking name. No. Um, but it was just created to celebrate and support and preserve the remaining lesbian bars in the U.S. Um, and it started um, on October 28th of 2020. And it was originally just a 30-day fundraiser um, to support one lesbian bar in particular. Do you think I wrote it down? No, I didn't. It was probably Henrietta Hudson. Yeah. I feel like I heard about it. It was a bar in new york that i uh one of the ones i was referring to that i saw was struggling um that's like the big one the big one was tiny but henrietta hudson is uh the larger one um but then they i think they did one like 30 days after that and um now it's just sort of a a a thing so i I believe you can go um it's uh lesbianbarproject.com www um and uh, you can give money you can raise awareness um yeah which i thought was such a fucking good idea mm-hmm. no i like that a lot because you know i think everyone deserves their safe space mm-hmm. um, and you know if you feel safer with all women or you feel safer with all men or you feel safe in a mixed group um, that's your safe space and multiple types of safe spaces should exist um, because multiple types of comfort exist. Um, 
and especially in a community that has been traumatized by raids on their safe spaces, by mass shootings in their safe spaces. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't think, I don't think there's necessarily a wrong way to have a safe space, even though sometimes like the exclusion of a certain group is, is harmful. Right. Um, it's kind of a, a conflict there. Like, yeah, I was told I shouldn't really belong in this one safe space, even though I would have felt safe in that space. Right. Other people might not have <clears throat> felt safe with me in that space, I guess. So it's really, um, I, I guess we're just a community at odds with the, with one another. I don't know. Yeah. And that's like, I, I, I think it just goes down to like, it's going to happen everywhere. It's not like a universal feeling. Yeah. But treating it like the universal feeling is, I think, where people tend to, I don't want to say give us a bad name, but for yeah. lack of a better term, that's what I'm going to say. No, I think you're right. I mean, if you think of like just the general types of bars, um, there's mm. a sports, there a sports bar. There's more of the um, the Coyote Ugly style bar. There's um, it's no, all I wanted to be. All I want to be is a coyote. New York, I love it. <laughs> um, it's really fun. But like, there are multiple types of bars to begin with. So the types of bar scenes or club scenes within the LGBT uh, QA plus community, it's just a further delineation of like types of clubs and bars that already exist. So like when you look at it as a general whole, usually you have somewhere to pick that is your preferred space. Right. Right. Let's talk a little bit. These are things that um, when we first started talking about doing this, that you brought up to me and I thought it was really interesting. Um, but the sort of internalized homophobia between the two sexualities and uh, misogyny in the community in general. Um, the internalized homophobia one, there are so many studies done. <laughs> like studies that I would have like had to like pay to read the articles for. And I didn't do that because I don't make money doing this. <laughs> But there were like, it was just like tons. It would give me like a little blur, but I was like, that's not enough to like get information, but just sort of like it, the general seem like idea. Um, but I mean, any sort of internalized homophobia is just the, for anyone who doesn't know, is the um, sort of self-hate that you have for being part of the LGBTQIA plus community. That's a really watered down way of version of putting it. But in reference to like specifically between gay men and lesbian, it's this sort of you have so much hate for yourself that you're now not only projecting it onto other gay men, you're now moving down to additional parts of the LGBTQIA plus community, which is really, I don't know. That's, I mean, I think that's kind of terrifying um, that, you know, I mean, those are the people that like, I, I, I worry for, I worry to be around. Like, it's like, I feel, I feel really bad. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, shit. you go from people like you think you should, um, that they're like your brothers and sisters in this community. Uh, and they should be able to sympathize or empathize with your plight, or at least like you might have that, that slight connection just because like, Ooh, we are mm-hmm. part of the community together. We are, both an other 
together. Yeah. Um, but I think it comes back to, um, you know, how maybe it's like how Western society is as a whole or just society like patriarchal societies yeah. um, tend to be, uh, of course, women are like a rung down on the ladder from men. And so, you know, that kind of translates into the LGBTQIA plus community. Yeah. Um, or, you know, that issue where we, we want to feel like we have an edge up on someone. So, like, being a man is better than being a woman. So, like, I'd rather be a gay man than a woman. Or, right. you know, I don't know. I don't know if um, physicality has something to do with it as well. I've definitely had a few gay men tell me that they think vaginas are gross. And I'm like, it's, it's a body. Like, whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you don't have to, like... Um, <laughs> Yeah. I don't know why that's I mean it's just it's easy to stay away from if you don't like it. (laughs) It's icky. Like bodies are both beautiful and disgusting at the same time. Doesn't matter who you are, what body you have, what parts you have. Yeah, and I've got news for you. Penises aren't fucking attractive either. (laughs) So like we need to get over that and just like make people feel good about their bodies or the bodies. Right appreciate or, or right um but i i do think that like these larger societal issues like racism homophobia uh, misogyny get like really boiled down in smaller marginalized groups and they're maybe almost um accentuated yeah because the group is smaller or um for whatever reason those issues sometimes seem even louder within these small groups than they yeah. do as a general whole in society. Um, and I don't know why that, that is other than the thoughts I just gave. Yeah. Um, but it's, it can be hurtful. I mean, when you're one of those people who God, yeah. by homophobia or misogyny within a community that you think is that you're supposed to be, supposed yeah. to be in and, and comfortable in, um, that's a really off putting feeling, um, mm-hmm. to, you know, to be made to feel like you're not enough or you should be something else. Or meanwhile, if you said anything to, to that person in a similar way, like they would hate you for saying that, but it's, you know, people are, I think, hypocritical. Oh God. Yeah. So I, I think that's really what it comes down to is just like the society we live in, um, the values we instill in children from a young age of like yeah. what marriage should look like, what a relationship should look like. Yeah. What gender, you know, your gender roles or your whatever roles you perform in your domestic space versus your professional space. Like, right. That all gets kind of amplified once you break it down into a smaller, like Mm -hmm. smaller group. You brought up a really good point earlier um, with the idea of like, well, because I'm gay, that doesn't mean that I'm misogynistic. Which, by the way, misogynistic is a really hard word to spell, and autocorrect doesn't help you. <laughs> so there you go, everybody. There's my fuck up for the day. Um, but this the the sort of idea, and I, I've I've one hundred percent seen it happen. I'm sure I have. I probably I'm I'm not. I've, I've probably done it. But this idea of like, well, I'm gay, so I'm not like I understand what it's like to be 
part of a community that's felt less than or, you know, and it, it's, it's, it's something that, and I encourage everyone, if I have people listening that talk to me on the reg, um, like we need to be more open about, I don't want to say being called out for it because being called out is never a good time for anyone. Um, but being open to that feedback and being like having open, honest conversations about this shit, because one, you're never going to learn if you don't fucking, if you're not corrected, you're just not, you're going to continue being the same kind of person. But if you're not open to it and you want to like, say that you're like, you know, super woke and you're like, you know, part of a community that's like really open. Well, if you're not, then you're just a fucking asshole. And that's why we're not going to like you. It's not because you're gay. It's because you're a dick. Because <laughs> you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> no, it's true. You're not exempt from like having biases just yeah. because someone might have a bias against you for how you identify. Um, right. And it's hard to sometimes come to terms with that, but like I think we is. always have to kind of reflect on ourselves. We do, yeah. you know, take the time to learn about mm-hmm. what your, you know, implicit biases are, what, you know, yeah. things you don't even realize you have, like, mm-hmm. and Let's, just be, be open to feedback. But also if you have a friend or a, a family member that's like that, berating them or being kind of like aggressive in your, in your, we'll go nowhere. It does not help because people just get defensive and aren't going to listen to what you're going to say. Like you have to, you have to go about it very open and kind, um, so that someone will actually be receptive towards it and want to, um, make better choices or, you know, change the way they feel or the way that they act. Um, being rude and having an argument about it, it doesn't help anybody. No, no, no one's listening at that point. You're just listening to yourself. Um, (laughs) So put that in your martini glass and drink it. Oh my God. Is that my new catchphrase? <laughs> Shit. Right now before you forget. <laughs> <laughs> um, fuck. Anna, thank you so, so much for taking the time and talking with me and being your first time guest on the podcast. Won't be the last unless you had a miserable time and then it can be your no, last. I'm you really play. honored to be here and to like share some of my opinions and my insights. Um, there's so much I want to learn now just from having this conversation with you and, you know, things I want to research for, for my own yeah. um, growth, my own journey, um, things I want to share with other people so that we can, you know, continue to grow and learn. Grow and learn. Sounds cheesy, but it's fucking the, true. The laugh love. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, no cussing, no hussing and something else that happens in that commercial. Um <laughs> oh fuck man thank you so much um all right everyone we will be right back all right that was hannah kate simon and myself talking about the gay man and the lesbian so um thank you so much hannah for taking the time and talking with me um i hope you all like this little four-part series um And like I've said on the previous episodes, I know there are more sexualities out there, but these four just seem to be the easiest to bang out at the moment. So stay tuned for more coming in the future. Um, After this episode, we only have seven episodes left in this season, which is crazy as fuck. Uh, And at the current editing of this episode, I have no fucking clue what the next topic is, but I'm sure I'll figure it out. 
or at least I hope I'll figure it out. <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, if you are a fan of making a martini, please share with all of your friends, your family, your coworkers, your children, if you feel so bold. <laughs> and uh, to really support me and the show, you can go to whatever platform you listen on and leave a rating and a review because that will truly help me out like crazy. And I think that's about it. Yeah. So this has been Making a Martini, up, dry, and straight to the point. Cheers. Cheers.